we have these crossroads. And you know, either way you choose, your life is going to be different. The universe doesn't exist, but God thinks it does. We have to stop consuming our culture. We have to create culture. Stupidity has a definite evolutionary function. I am all for abolishing stupidity, but before it goes, we should pay tribute to it. Hello and welcome to the Nonsense Bazaar. We're your hosts, I'm Sequoia Kennedy. And I'm Willow Truman. How are you, Willow? I am fried. Good. I would, yeah. Fried food is delicious. It is. It's also kind of bad for you, though. Just like Om Shinrikyo. Yeah. <laughs> is, was, oh, what part of it was delicious? We'll get to that. Mm, the drama. The no. Intrigue. No. I got something better than that. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm drooling already. Well, it's another beautiful day in the loving arms of the guru. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Shoko Afsahara. Yes. So we we got we to gotta recap what we learned last episode. Yeah, we do. The last episode was sort of like the the villain origin story of, of Shoko and the gang. You know, how they went from mild-mannered yoga teachers, a yoga teacher and quack doctor, to a... Uh, Bad guy, villain, 80s action movie antagonist. Yeah, it was a good origin story, I gotta say. Yeah. A little bit predictable, but some parts in there, not as predictable. I think the thing is that it's like so predictable and shocking in how smooth the rise is. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, it's almost like this dude just knew what he was going to do from the beginning. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just, hey, man. Gotta have direction. Shoko, he's just living out his true will, man. Exactly. Just- <laughs> no, you and I, we could learn a little bit from him. You gotta have a dream and then do anything that you can to get there. Jesus. Even if it means putting people in helmets that fry their brains. Even, no, no, that's the wrong thing to learn. That's bad. <laughs> no, no, it's not the, the means justify the end. Oh. You know, that's the flaw. It doesn't matter where you end up as long as you do it in a righteous way. That's okay. what I think. And that's why I am where I am. And Shoko, he didn't die very well at all, actually. I'm doing better than him, all things considered. Yeah, I mean, the ending of the story might uh, give a hint to, like, how not effective these methods are in living a, a long and happy life, but making a legacy for yourself. That There you go. You know, yeah. It's effective at yeah, that. Yeah. Oh, boy. So, all right. When we last left Shoko and the gang, they had just somehow, mysteriously, who'd have fucking thunk it, been delivered a solid thwacking in the 1990 parliament elections in Japan. Didn't get a lot of votes. And it was actually this and the subsequent rumblings of dissatisfaction within Om Shinrikyo that led to the next and I guess this is the final phase of, of the cult. The 1990 to 1995, that's one phase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this episode, uh, okay, I just got to say this. There is absolutely no way to comprehensively cover Om Shinrikyo in three episodes. I was almost going to do four episodes, but then I realized there's no way to comprehensively cover Om Shinrikyo in four episodes. And so there's just no reason to spend that much time with the guru. So this is going to be kind of not disjointed. But, like, you're not going crazy if you aren't paying attention to names and stuff. They did so much 
that we're going to necessarily have to be kind of jumping around in time mm-hmm. from 1990 to Well, the important 93. people get nicknames, so they're easy to keep track of. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Or are repeated often enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. But yeah, this is this episode is just going to be a bunch of crazy shit. That's kind what of we're the here for. the examination of like what in my estimation like everyone makes a big deal about the subway gas attacks. I'm way more interested in the other stuff. You know what I mean? Like the shit that led up to that, what was going on, especially two cult members because are who are also fucking victims. You know, right? Because it's not like it ended with the gas attacks; it still exists. It does still exist too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it def- a lot of things ended with the gas attacks. I mean, it, they Shoko spent the next fucking six years in and out of court, mm-hmm. shitting himself, literally, I believe. But yeah, so I don't know. Let's uh, let's pull a tarot card and jump right into it because we got a lot of horror to get through. You know, the most enlightened gurus shit themselves. It's true. The even more enlightened ones eat it. Were you reading ahead? No. <laughs> Why? Is there poop eating in this? <laughs> oh, God. Why is there always poop eating? I don't know. Because there did are you, excellent did benefits. You really... No, I didn't. You've seen me this whole time. No, did you really not expect that in this? I mean, I've come to expect it yeah, by now. Yeah, yeah. All right. Ten of Wands. All right. Saturn in Sagittarius, which is interesting. Oppression. Again, very on the nose. Okay. We will talk about the Ten of Wands at the end of the episode and see what it has to tell us about all this. I mean, I think that's very, very kind of self-explanatory. But, yeah. Anyway, let's, uh, let's listen to another track from Asahara Universal Music. Oh boy. Get fucking hype. I will say. Goes kind of hard. They've got, like, that's what Om Shinrikyo sounded like. Do you know what I mean? That's the whole, fo- aesthetically, it's cohesive. Mm-hmm. That is the vibe I get from them. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else in the fucking world knows what I'm talking about. but Somebody does. Yeah. It's just like, that's, that's what was going on in their heads, and I know that for a fact. Boom. That's yeah. what they signed on for, you know? <sighs> yeah. Goes kind of hard. <laughs> so. Just kind of, though. Not not fully no, hard. Just kind of hard. Yeah. Just, like a chubby. Yeah. Just a half chub. Yeah. Like Shoko. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
at this point, after the 1990 elections, instead of simply preparing for Armageddon, Shoko's vision changed. Om Shinrikyo was now going to be an active participant in Armageddon. This is actually more of the, this episode is more of the story of how that happens. Going from, oh, fuck the world to, you know, we need to survive Armageddon to only we are going to survive, Arm- survive Armageddon to fuck it. We're going to make Armageddon happen. In fact, it was Om Shinrikyo's job to bring about Armageddon so that the evil world who wouldn't vote for Shoko or buy more of his fucking miracle pond uh, could be poet and reap the rewards of purification in the next life. Uh, Willow, would you please read the quote? I would love to. Thank you. We are heading for Armageddon. It becomes very clear if you analyze the situation in the Middle East and the coming of Halley's Comet, the frequent appearances of UFOs, the Soviet Union's democratization, the introduction of the presidential system, the unification of Europe, and so forth. What are all these incidents telling us? They're telling us that the world's getting ready for Armageddon. And what will happen after Armageddon? After Armageddon... The beings will be divided into two extreme types, the ones who will go to the heaven of light and sound and the ones who will go to hell. I don't know how any of that is saying that Armageddon's on the way. It's always on its way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so depending on how fucking Shoko was feeling that day, the date for Armageddon could be 2001. Or I guess if he was pissed off, it could be 1999, maybe 1998, maybe 2003. I don't know. You, Shifts around. It's coming. You best believe it. It's coming. And soon. Yeah. Well, t- 10 years so, so soon. As soon as he says. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that confuses me about Asahara is like how sloppy he was with shit like that. Consistency in the predictions and shit like that. You know what I mean? I guess maybe it just shows that like you don't even really need to be consistent. It's not actually. Yeah. People aren't there for that. That's not the thing, you know? It's the it's the pathos of the thing that matters. Right. Like, he really is a true dom. He's like, even even to Armageddon, he's like, you'll come when I when I say you come. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Really, dude. Uh, so one own member, uh, Masami Tsuchiya, who left uh, his pursuit of a doctorate in organic chemistry to join Ohm, wrote Shoko Asahara will be imprisoned in the 1990s, but his trial will prove the existence of supernatural powers, and all 100 million Japanese will become followers of Ohm. Well, well, that didn't happen. He got one part right, at least. But in uh, Tsuchiya's prophecy, by 1998, Ohm would march into Jerusalem with their army <laughs> and then be tortured as heretics. But Asahara would by then have raised a mighty army which would swoop in and come to the rescue in a big old Jew-killing party. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and then he would become like the new Christ or something? He's just going to he's gonna be the dom of everything. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, we didn't mention who the bad guys were in the Ohm apocalyptic fantasy last well, episode. Is it who we expect? Who do you expect? You know... The Jews. Yeah, 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 that's one of them. <laughs> of course. Jews, Freemasons. There it is. America. Uh-huh. The British royal family and the Dutch. Well, they're not wrong about that last one. I know, that's what I said. Too. <laughs> I, I, of all of them, most likely to fucking be the ones to worry about. Yeah. Most likely to take over the world. If anyone's behind the apocalypse. Dude, they got... 
They live below sea level. They live below sea level. You can't trust a person that lives below sea level. Never. It means they... They're crafty. <laughs> <laughs> they, got, they got schemes on schemes on mm-hmm. schemes like so many fucking windmills. Yeah. Archimedes screws. Geoengineering. Suspicious. <laughs> I fucking love the Dutch. It's okay. So, goofy. so that's... That's who who they they're targeting as the enemy. Yeah, it's a hodgepodge of conspiracy thought, just like their spirituality is a hodgepodge of religions. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like yeah, there are for sure some particularly Japanese reasons to portray America and like the Freemasons and the British as the fucking bad guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess I mean, okay, look, technically the Jews were on the other side of the war. Like that's technically true. Oh yeah. 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 I don't think everyone's ever categorized it like that before for reasons. (laughs) No, but it's true. I was actually having this conversation last night that if you're going to criticize religions, you got to be able to criticize Judaism, too, because just because it's one of the oldest doesn't mean that it's the best. Sometimes when things are old, it means that they they don't work very well. They make a lot of mistakes throughout the years. I mean, I I think it's one of the best, honestly. I'm consistently impressed. You know, not bad, yeah, but also like not without our own. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Our yeah. own faults. I mean, oh, yeah. Israel. Israel's got some fucking big problems, I'm dog. Too proud of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey. Hey. We all got them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fucking Japanese aren't too goddamn proud to show Kwasahara either. Oh, I know. <laughs> but, you know, to kick off Armageddon, what do you need? You need weapons. All sorts of weapons. And not just like. Personal weapons, little pew-pew guns and shit. You need big fucking weapons. Big weapons that will not only do a ton of damage, but scare the living shit out of everyone, too. You need, what do you think they need? I don't know, laser beams? Yeah, they need some laser beams, yeah. That's Is that of, literally it? Well, that's Is one that of one them. one thing? That's one thing for fucking That's what I'd need. But I, I thought you might say sarin, sarin gas. Like, oh, Because normally this would be like... Oh, well, yeah, this like, is when they start, you know, doing the sarin and they put all their work on the sarin. And then, it, you know, they did the thing. We're not even nearly at the sarin yet. But they do need bioweapons. Uh, Hideo Murai, Seichi Endo, and the other home scientists had ran the numbers and they decided the best bioweapon for their purposes was botulism. So they did what any normal religion does and built uh, two, two bio labs, biological weapons labs. One at the base of Mount Fuji about an hour and a half away from Tokyo, and one on Mount Aso. Uh, Mount Aso, they would produce the antidote for botulism. An hour and a half away from Tokyo, Biolab 1, Asahara Tass Seichiendo, who had a master's degree in virology and chemical engineering, not, as it turns out, you know, bacteriology, or whatever you call the bacteria shit. Close enough. It's really not, though. <laughs> it's, like, wicked not. Close enough for their purposes. <laughs> just, well, you know, he tasked him with cooking up some fucking botulism. Now, botulism is strong stuff. A lethal dose for a human being is less than one microgram. Less than one millionth of a gram. As in... That tiny? As a comparison, picture a single grain of sugar. That's 500 micrograms. Botulism's strong fucking stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So when the batch was all cooked up, they uh, donned their fancy science armor and uh, tested their new world-ending super weapon on a bunch of lab rats. Uh, Not a single one showed any signs of indigestion, let alone death. All right. Nope. So after scratching his head for a bit, 
Seichi Endo knew he figured out what the problem was. It was exposed to too much oxygen and not enough of the bacteria was able to grow. Really, they just needed better equipment, better lab equipment. That's it. That's all. So thankfully, they were a cult with fuck you money. So Endo was able to try again. By the end of the spring, they had a whole bunch of what Seichi Endo thought was weapons-grade botulism and a converted van with like an insecticide sprayer at the top. (laughs) So Ohm's master plan was simple. Some might say it was too simple. Some might say it was simple in a way that the word simple was at one time used as a pejorative for those unlucky souls with brains which aren't firing on all cylinders. Their plan was simple. It went like this. Asahara started seeding the idea that there would soon be a terrible calamity that befell Japan. An earthquake or tsunami or something horrible like that. He saw visions of thousands of dead Japanese. It was just terrible. But they could escape that terrible catastrophe by hosting a conference on an island off the southern tip of Japan. It was a comet-watching retreat. While Shoko Asahara had his totally airtight, perfect alibi of a comet-watching retreat, Seichi Endo and a few of the more enlightened of the guru's disciples would take all that new botulism in that fucking van with the sprayer on top and go driving up down around the Japanese parliament spraying botulism all over the government, thus creating chaos and the collapse of civilization so that Ohm could rule the ashes. Okay. And they did it. They for sure did it. They got in that van, they sprayed some shit all around the fucking Japanese government. And? Um, if Ohm Shinrikyo was at all capable of pulling fucking anything off without it turning into, turning into a bigger comic failure than my fucking love life, it would have been a big problem. But it was fine. Everything was fucking fine. Yeah, like, were there people outside? Because I imagine unless you're spraying it directly on a bunch of people. Well, yeah, the air, like, if, if they had, if they were good at what they did, if they had actually been able to make real botulism. But they didn't. People would have been fucked. Yeah, no, they just, they fucked up literally everything they did. This will be a running theme. Mm. They're so bad at everything they do. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> they have no fucking idea what they're doing. Uh, the only thing you could conceivably say that Ohm was good at was brainwashing and fucking business maneuvers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, that's not that's nothing. That's all you need. That's kind of all you fucking need. Unless you're trying to do a bunch of other shit that you're not good at. Yeah. Well, literally nothing happened. Whatever passed for a successful batch of botulism in the Ohm lab did not translate into a viable bioweapon. No one got sick. No one died. No one fucking noticed. Luckily for Seiji Endo, this colossal fuck-up didn't really bother the guru. See, the comet-watching retreat had been a huge success. They managed to get a thousand attendees, each paying $2,000 to fucking comet-watch with the guru, many of whom were not OM members, or if they were OM members, they weren't renunciates yet, before they ended up on Shoko's Island. But a bunch of them just couldn't go back to the old boring way of life after, the, after feeling the guru's love. You know how they were like... Losing members and shit after the parliament losses and shit. Mm-hmm. Because that's what triggered fucking disillusionment. What the fuck? This solved that problem. Membership surged after the retreat. <laughs> Haley's Comet, you know? Yeah. And Comets so did, are good for cults. They really are. Yeah. And morale surged with it. You know, fuck those elections. Ohm is back, baby. And shortly thereafter, Seichi Endo and other Ohm scientists would travel to West Af- Africa on a fact-finding mission to... uh determine whether Ebola was a viable plan B <laughs> to bring about. Going Armageddon. and looking for bioweapons. Yeah, just see if we could just fucking bring Ebola back to Japan and weaponize it. It was determined to be impractical. I wonder why. I don't. I know exactly why. That shit ain't... You can't fucking aerosolize that shit. 
It's ridiculous. What are you doing? It's traveling all the way over there to find that out. Fuck, that's just the craziest shit. That's just because you think it's cool. That's because it's just like a super metal fucking disease. Wouldn't it be cool if we got the big bad one? That's all it was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, back at the ranch, now there were like 1,500 or so renunciates. And shit was grim. Uh, Children as young as five were being taught that Hitler was a good guy and a role model. (laughs) You know, mm-hmm. that's what comes first on this list of why shit's grim. Kids were allowed to bathe like once every three days. Many didn't have socks. Many didn't know what socks were when they were rescued. Oh. Yeah. Stinky. They had their own little kid-sized versions of the perfect salvation initiation helmets. Wow. It was only three volts though, not six. Well, that's very generous <laughs> and kind. Tiny shocks for tiny heads. Yeah. Yeah. Asahara's daughter, Reiko... His third daughter was a teenager by now, but she was still with the, the kids' table, as it were. She was considered to be his successor, and indeed, she did take after her father. Once, she uh, she dipped a young boy's fingers in three types of acid to, quote, see what would happen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so she's, she's a father's fucking, daughter. Yeah, she's just terrorizing the children. Oshar is terrorizing the, the parents, and the parents, the adults, weren't doing great either. Apart from the nutritionless mash that they were fed twice a day... They were also sometimes forced to eat something called um, the bitter cookie. Oh. Uh, <laughs> okay. I don't know what that was. It sounds poop related. It's not. It's not. Okay. No, it, it instead of it's not a cookie. The cookie didn't come from the kitchen. The the cookie came from the science department. <laughs> Okay. We don't know what the bitter cookie was, I don't don't think. I think the bitter cookie was probably a lot of things on different days. I think it was whatever they needed to see. Whatever. See what would happen with something. Yeah. There's also this thing called the Holy Fire Service, where those in religious trainings were um, forced to eat whatever bullshit Asahara told them to. I'll take the bitter cookie. Yeah. Yeah, like some, it might be like two whole raw cabbages or like. Okay, that's not that bad. That's bad, dude. You're, dude, that's a lot of cabbage, one. Yeah, you're going to be really full. It's also like, like a raw fucking, that, that just fiber. Yeah, you're going to be really, really full. full. But like probably still kind of hungry because there's not really any nutrients in there. Yeah. It's just stuff, you know, but another day it might be two dozen tangerines. It's a lot of tangerines. Yeah. Heartburn like a mother bitch. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you threw up afterwards. Guru says eat, you fucking eat. That's fascinating. Yeah. Also, speaking of eating stuff. Yeah. I first forget exactly when this happened. I didn't really feel like looking up the details. But there was a strict no sexual, right? Speaking of eating stuff, I don't like how I set up the sentences. Anyway, there was a strict no sex rule. One time... A husband and wife couple were caught having sex. How dare they? How dare they? So his punishment, Shoko, he uh, made the husband, like, in front of a lot of people, eat his wife's shit. Guess what, people? This is what you must understand. There are excellent benefits in eating poop. Spiritual benefits, superpowers. Yes. You eat the poop. Yeah. Another poopoo guru. Another poopoo guru. What is it? What is it? Honestly, 
there's some fucking Robert J. Lifton didn't goddamn mention any of the pathology behind the poo-poo guru and goddamn his fucking psychological breakdown of Om Shinrikyo. I read that goddamn thing. Good book. Explain. Why does no one talk Why about does it? Happen? We got Connor Murphy, John McAfee. We got. Well, hey, now. I mean, he's not a cult leader, but he's not he, a guru. He had his he had well, his quirks. He, he's a kind of a, a guru to some people in a way. He's an ascended master, but like, I, I don't know. I, I just don't think we can we've call him a poo-poo guru. We've just had a lot of people that have eaten poop on this show. It's true. I mean, that might say more about us than it says about them. You know? I don't know. And that clip that we played, that originates from our Blood Over Intent series. Yeah, what was that? Like episode 10? Yeah, right? <laughs> 12, something like that. So this this poop eating, it, it goes back. It goes back. <laughs> what a horrible punishment for having sex. Yeah, you just got to eat a fucking platter of your wife's shit. Man, after she'd been Dude. eating that mush all day, uh-huh. or uh-huh. maybe if you're lucky, it's it was like a twelve tangerine day. I don't know if that makes it better or worse. Acidic, right? Oop. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's all <laughs> I'm fucking thinking bad, too dude. Deeply about I think it's all really bad. <laughs> There's any way you slice it, it's bad. I think this is a fucking nightmare, dude. <laughs> yeah. This is like this is what. And he you had just to do imagine, it in front of people too. Can you just fucking imagine being in this place Mm -hmm. this environment right so was it prepared beforehand dude i have no idea or did it happen like i wasn't gonna include the poo poo story but i had to of course you had to of course i had to i didn't go look it back up i you know i just assumed that it's the dude that ate the wife shit it might have been the other way around well no because she has to be punished too so maybe part of her punishment is that you know that she's got a shit in front of everybody and he has to eat the fresh duty i think that was part of it Yeah, yeah. yeah 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 Yeah, I think it was like a joint. It wasn't like... It's all some weird fucking fetish shit. I dude, don't know. yeah, honestly. <laughs> there's some fucked up shit going on in here. I don't I don't know. I hate well, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fucking... I told you. This has been like... We're on like page fucking three or four. I don't know. Yeah, let's keep it rolling. Yep. <laughs> in fall 1990, police actually took notice of the increasingly loud public outcry over the very obvious murder of the Sakamoto family, the lawyer from the end of last episode. Although, as is tradition, the police announced their raids in advance and found absolutely no evidence of the secret biolabs or weapons facilities or wrongdoings whatsoever. It's really helpful. It, I, right? When you... It's really fucking helpful. That people know that you can raid. Dude, it's so fucking infuriating how the police didn't do shit. It really is, like... There was so many opportunities to stop this shit from going so bad. To do something. Yeah. Yeah. And they just didn't. Did nothing. Yeah. Well, Asahara was also now becoming a little fucking obsessed with UFOs, which is classic cult leader bullshit. He wrote, UFOs often appear on Earth these days. It'll become one of those main factors of Armageddon, whether we can benefit from UFOs or not. They may be from the heaven of degenerated consciousness or the heaven of playful degeneration. Anyhow, they're superior to human beings without a doubt. But that doesn't mean they can be trusted. I hear that these aliens eat human soup. (laughs) This is just like humans eating beef. In the final analysis, my view is that human beings will not benefit from aliens. He just watched the Twilight Zone episode (laughs) to serve man. Honestly, (laughs) honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do like how Asahar is his own palate cleanser. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> around this time, Asahara also began making trips around the world, ostensibly on religious missions, preaching his holy truth. But the places he was going were a bit odd. Um, 
He went to Laos as like a guest of state and met with like Laotian government officials. And Laos at the time was well known for opium production. He also like went to North Korea, which is always fun, you know. And uh, he went to Russia. Okay. The, you know, the, at this time, Ohm had uh, branched out a little bit into Germany. We didn't talk about his uh, Osar's trip to Germany. It's not super important, but like they were trying to spread into Europe and stuff. Yeah, well, of course they went to Germany if they were all about Hitler. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But yeah, really the only country they got another foothold in was Russia. And Russia would eventually become even more fucking ohm crazy than Japan. And not without good reason. This was, of course, right after the collapse of the Soviet Union. And Russia wasn't having the best time, like, as a state. Uh, The government, such as it was, was in the hands of the oligarchs. And the collapse of the Soviet Union left the shards of the second biggest superpower just lying around for anyone to pick up. One of uh, President Boris Yeltsin's most influential backers, Oleg Lavrov, who was a chair of the Russian Security Council, had this little pet project called the Russia-Japan University. It was, in fact, a university. And Lavrov was, I guess, a weeb. Problem was, there wasn't a lot of money in Russia at the time. Mm. And while the university was built and had all this fancy shit, it didn't have any teachers or students or anything. They needed more money. Just so happens that there was this fucking cult that really wanted to be friends with Russia. They had a whole fucking bunch of money. They had fuck you money. So Ohm apparently poured as much as $5 million into the Russia-Japan University. And as such, got in extremely good graces with the Russian government. Ah. Yeah. In fact, they were in such good graces with the Russian government that they were allowed to broadcast their radio program, uh, The Absolute Truth of the Holy Heaven, twice, every day, on the state-run radio network. Well, isn't that nice? Yeah. And for this, the cult paid Russia uh, $700,000 a year, like allowing the station to upgrade their radio equipment for the first time since 1980. It's pretty affordable. Yeah. 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 Uh, they also got a half hour primetime television slot on the Moscow TV station. Wow. Yeah. Both of these programs focused on like the super scientific truth behind Asahara's bullshit. Because there's another thing like I didn't get a chance to stress as much as I wanted to. A big selling point of Ohm was the science of the fucking thing. Like they were going to be the first people to truly prove the science of spirituality and shit. I'm not exactly clear how they were supposed to do that or why people thought they were. Well, because it's like we're approaching the 21st century. Well, okay. So it feels like we're on the precipice, the cutting edge of all of these new discoveries. I, I get that. I, what I mean is that like they weren't proving shit. They were crazy as hell. Right. Yeah. They just, just had the, the jargon. It was just the aesthetics of it. Yeah. It's just the fucking aesthetics. Aesthetics are very important. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, they had the aesthetics on point. And they also did shit like allow them to upgrade their radio net- network for the first time since 1980. And they were giving money to universities. So whereas Japanese science establishment thought Ohm Shinrikyo was a fucking laughingstock, Ohm also got in really good with the Russian science establishment. And <laughs> do you know what the Moscow science establishment is really good at and really known for? What's that? It's kind of a rhetorical question. <laughs> Fucking nukes, dude. Mm-hmm. Nukes, because ultimately, um, yeah, specifically, Ohm got in with the Moscow Institute of Physics and Engineering, uh, which is like the 
one of the most important scientific scientific institutes to uh, fucking the Soviet Union's nuclear program. And in case it's not clear yet, Ohm wanted to nuke more than anything else on this planet. That was, you know, the bioweapons, you have the chemicals, you have all this shit, the lasers, all that. That's all plan B, realistically. What you really want to do is fucking drop a nuke somewhere. It's uh, really symbolic and really scary. And the fact that, like, if they were smarter, they could have done it at this time. Like, Thank God they weren't. Yeah. I was going to drop this in earlier, but it's just here, so I'm just going to fucking... Why didn't they get into, like, bomb making? Or did they? Dude, they got it. They got up to a lot. Yeah, so, like, Azar was even able... He was, like, allowed to give a fucking sermon at the Moscow Institute of Physics, like, after giving a very large donation. This is weird. Oh, okay. The donation part yeah. makes sense. And But they had, like, professors vouching for them and, like, writing endorsements for the... Uh, intro to the fucking Russian translations of the Ohm texts and shit. Like some of like Russia's like, like professors at their, the prestigious fucking university. I mean, I know it's like post-Soviet Russia, but still, you know, that's, that's something. And like the physics Institute refused their request to set up like an Ohm, an Ohm club on campus. But cult recruiters were just kind of free to walk around handing out pamphlets and encouraging students to join. And within a year, Ohm membership in Russia surpassed the uh, 10,000 members in Japan. Like That's pretty quick. Yeah. That's like really quick. It's, it's really fast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Russian mother of an Ohm monk said, So many respectable people seem to support the sect. How could we say no to our children? Yeah. They had the, they had the endorsements of all these scientists and the, right. the teachers even, because they just bought a fucking new radio tower and- Gave him a bunch of money. Woo. Well, Asahar put his his uh, right-hand man and fixer, the uh, chief of engineering, Kiyohide Hayakawa, in charge of Russian operations. He left him in charge of Russia. While Asahar was, like, certifiably insane, uh, Hayakawa was much less so. Definitely still insane, but, like, much more of a, much more, like, bad guy villain. Mm-hmm. If there's a spook in here, it's Kiyohide Hayakawa. You know, like if okay. there's if there's a connection to larger uh, intrigues in the world, it's through this guy. He's like the only he's the only guy who might have been like aware of what was happening. You know what I mean? Right. Like soberly. Like more dangerously aware. insane than comically insane. Yeah. 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 OK. So, but Asahara is more dangerous. Yeah. No, dude, it's just more, he's more thriller villain than anime villain. Okay. Right? Like, he's more Tom Clancy bad guy than fucking... I getcha. Yeah, yeah. He's he's just grounded. <laughs> it's just a grounded bad guy. Kind of, like fucking kind of. Not really, though, because he's like an anime version of a goddamn spook. This dude's going back and forth between fucking Japan and Russia. He's he's got fucking I'm just off script now because I have to do this off script. Maybe I'm better off script anyway. They have fucking Hayakawa's goddamn like journalists and shit. Right. And he's got just these shopping lists of like a T-57 fucking tank and an attack helicopter and this many fucking rifles. And the, it, when he first was going over there, part of his journal was just the phrase in Japanese, 
how much is an AK-74? How much is an AK-74? How much is... Because that was just the phrase he was practicing his Russian on. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. In his journal, it's like the underlined, it's like, how much is a nuclear bomb? Literally, (laughs) like underlined. Or how much to buy a nuclear bomb. Yeah. That's what this guy was doing for a while. And they, so like... (laughs) He was definitely well aware of what the collapse of the Soviet Union meant for the guru's burgeoning interest in super weapons. Like, this is why I say he's like the, he would be the spook because he was like aware of the fucking, the geopolitics of the thing and like setting up fucking an Om temple like in North Ossetia, Georgia, which is like in the Caucasus Mountains. Georgia was one of the countries that uh, they were part of the fucking Soviet Union. There was a war fought between Russia. They're one of the Russian... They're one of the countries Russia's dead set on taking back eventually. You know what I mean? And so North Ossetia is a province of fucking uh, Georgia that Russia grabbed in like 2000, sometime in the last, uh, I think it was like 2008 or something. Yeah, 2008 or 2009. And that's like, you know, that's relevant because it's also really close to Chechnya, North Ossetia. It's in that same fucking area. And like the Chechen wars or Russia fucking went in and flattened the city of uh, Grozny twice in uh, in the 21st century. Like, it's a big old thing over there. Violent as fuck. A lot of weapons and have been. There's the, like the, the fucking Bosnian War. That shit was popping off in the fucking 90s and shit too. I remember Cody telling us about the Georgians too, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a thing. Georgians fucking hate Russia. Yep. Real bad. Yeah, it's, it's all sorts of crazy shit. And it definitely was right after the collapse of the Soviet Union too. Like this is right then. So the Om Temple was like two hours from Grozny, Chechnya, in North Ossetia, in a pass in the Caucasus Mountains, right on one of the arms smuggling routes in the fucking world. If there was a place to be where the weapons were, it would probably be right where the Om Temple was. <laughs> Clever. Minister of Engineering. <laughs> <laughs> um, a little on the nose, but convenient. Yeah. I mean, ruthless efficiency. Yeah. Anyway, let's learn about Ohm Hospitals. Great. Yep. So, before joining Ohm, Dr. Ikuo Hayashi was the head of the cardiology department at a government hospital outside of Tokyo. He was well-liked, well-respected, all in all a good doctor. Then he hit his head real hard after falling asleep at the wheel in 1988. Oh. Yeah. After his accident, Hayashi became despondent. He was fighting depression and a lack of attention. He was forgetting shit at work, and he started getting interested in spiritual matters. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you, he was lacking attention. Oh, he was just lonely. I just... Yeah. Somebody pay attention to me. No, no, no. I get what you mean. And he found himself joining home. Well, after, don't you hate it when you hit your head and join the <laughs> yeah. fuck? And then after he joined home, Dr. Hayashi lost his fucking mind. He started telling his patients... I'm going to have you read a couple things in a second. He started telling his patients that they could not be cured by conventional means and instead began prescribing things like, Willow, if you, if you would. Jump a lot. <laughs> Drink a quart of boiling water. Swallow some string. That's what Dr. Hayashi was prescribing his, his patients. Okay. Yeah. He was a well-respected cardiologist. He's telling people to go eat string, drink boiling water, and jump a lot. Nothing wrong with eating string every now and then. That one's, that, that's fine. That one, it's the first. I should have ordered them different because string's the least bad. 
Well, Hayashi was disciplined, and he was told that such treatments were unthinkable by common sense. Hayashi responded that they were all well-known by Ohm and had been proven by science. Science! Well, if it's proven... By science! By science. It, it must be true. He was told to not bring his religious beliefs into a national hospital, or he could fuck off. Hayashi fucked off. Yeah, he became an Ohm renunciate with his wife and two children, and Shoko was just thrilled. Oh, yeah. This was a good a doctor get. in the mix. This is a good get. Ohm was branching out at this point into all sorts of businesses, like all sorts. A lot of them were like basically ways to get ingredients for drugs and fucking chemical shit, you know? Because mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff you could just buy if you had a legitimate reason to. So you just set up a shell company that has a legitimate reason to get all these things, whether right. they be machine parts or they be fucking precursor chemicals or whatever. You just set up a business to look like that. And then you also use the, um, if anyone, ask any questions you use the whole story about ohm being the religion that's going to prove the, the science of spirituality as a reason for why you have all these copies well yeah they of course they're getting these ingredients it's for our fucking science experiments dog yeah you know it was like it's pretty fucking clever but also not really they shouldn't i'm i can't say that they should not have been able to get away with this it was kind of clear that they were just making weapons it was kind of fucking obvious they were up to no good. They thought they were being clever, is a better way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. They certainly found ways of getting what they wanted. No one stopped them. If you see an Om Shinrikyo, stop it. Doesn't matter. Just as a rule. Yeah. So one of those types of businesses was hospitals. Was, I think it was called the Om Astral Hospital. They, uh, it's a very small hospital in Tokyo. Dr. Hashi was put in charge. This is one of the parts of the story that bothers me the most. Over an 18-month period, starting in September 1993, nine deaths occurred at the hospital. For context, they had nine beds. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Now, it's not like they just had nine patients in total and all of them died, but, um, you know, even Dr. Hayashi was unsure that everything was, was all right. This was a lot. Like, they didn't, the other, like, the giant hospitals in Tokyo did not produce that many casualties or something like that there was a quote from like an ambulance driver saying like yeah no this was unheard of like <laughs> yeah dr hayashi wrote uh we heaped caution upon caution to care for the entire system nonetheless so many people kept dying we must recognize that some mysterious force is at work yeah dog it's ohm you're the mysterious force sir <laughs> yeah yeah so here's the case study of one Mr. Sato, who was horribly victimized by the Ohm Supreme Truth Hospital. Imagine your doctor telling you to swallow some string. <laughs> honestly, though. Honestly, what is wrong with you, sir? So, okay, Mr. Sato, 63, he was a shopkeeper uh, from Tokyo. He had a stroke 16 years er- uh, earlier that left him speechless. He could only communicate with paper and pen. He was frail as fuck by December 1991 and needed full-time medical care. So Mr. Sato needed full-time medical care. The uh, family admitted him to a local hospital, but a month later, the man's daughter received an unexpected phone call from Om Shinrikyo. <sighs> Sato's daughter was not an Om believer, but she had met cult members while pursuing religious studies at Tokyo University. They just knew her dad was in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Had her number, called her up. What? Well, they told her, that somehow they knew what they what she was going through, and they told her, uh, "Your father will be killed by an overdose of drugs if he stays at that at, at that hospital. Do you want him to die?" They urged her to move her father to Ohm's brand new hospital. 
where the quality of care would be infinitely better. Oh, this is really manipulative. Uh-huh. Oh, it's so bad. The daughter agreed to at least check it out. There she met Dr. Hashi, and he told her all about the wonders offered by Ohm Healthcare. The monthly fee would, would only be $1,600, and they didn't even need to be Ohm members. And then after the visit, the, the hospital staff were very persistent. Different people would call, urging the family to bring Sato to the, to the clinic. On, on January 14th, Dr. Hayashi himself and several staff members arrived unannounced at uh, Sato's home. <laughs> well, Dr. Hayashi said, you know, we'll even help move your father to the Ohm Clinic right now. And impressed by uh, Hayashi's sincerity, they agreed. They did, after all, have credentials. They just let him take their dad right out the house. Well, they are good at brainwashing. These people weren't even members. You don't have to be. I wouldn't let any fucking doctor take my dad. Right. Fuck that. You don't show up at my house and say, I'm going to have your dad now. <laughs> what the fuck is that? If you plant the seed in someone's head when they're super scared that, like, this hospital's going to kill your dad, I could see that being pretty scary. I don't I know about falling for it. Fucking but ridiculous, dog. Yeah. If you go and crazy. talk with the doctor and, like, he just, he must have been a really good showman. Well, dude, he had credentials. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, he was, he was fucking Dr. Ikuo Hayashi. He fucking, oh, well, I was at the, uh, you know, this national government owned hospital, but, you know, I decided to join the own hospital because it's so much better. Get to, like, I, you know, he was a respectable guy. If you're going to trust anyone, it'd be him. So, yeah. Well, once inside the clinic, Sato was led to a narrow room packed with eight beds overseen by a large portrait of Shoko Asahara smiling down at him. Ohm's astral music echoed loudly through the place. In the hallway were piles of medicinal herbs. Can we hear a little bit of astral music? Dude, I don't know what the fuck their astral music sounds oh, like. Oh, shit. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, we know what it is. Okay. Yeah. Like, I'll put some on because I know what it is. I'm going to type in astral music. Because <laughs> I know it's just whatever Google search turns up as astral music is exactly what was playing in there. Spiritual dreams. Enter the astral realm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. that shit. So you go into the hospital. There's this shit playing. There's Shoko Asahara's giant face smiling at you. There's piles of herbs on the floor, I think. I think it's just in the hallways. Okay. Yeah. Woeful looking patients uh, filled the beds, their heads shaved. Around their necks hung amulets, lucky charms. Doctors and nurses strode through the hallways with... The fucking psi helmets on their heads. Or the... It's not a helmet. The psi headgear, I'm gonna say. The clinic's interior looked shabby. Uh, Sato's wife was disgusted to see fucking cockroaches scurrying along the goddamn walls because they couldn't kill anything, remember? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what you want to see in your... Yeah. Uh, after a few days, even Dr. Hayashi himself no longer inspired much confidence. His coat was fucking filthy and covered with black stains. All the nurses' fucking clothes were fucking filthy. The contents of bedpans were poured down the same fucking uh, sinks where patients washed their hands and faces. Oh, God. The next surprise was the demand that they join Ohm. Hayashi must have made a mistake. Only believers were allowed to become patients. Asato was forced to join the cult. When the family came to visit, a uh, doctor would keep them... I'm turning off the music. Doctor would keep them first for a 30-minute lecture on Ohm. Then they uh, discouraged them from visiting at all. Uh, quote, long visits reduced the patient's energy, the doctor said. The meetings were soon reduced to five minutes and videotaped by hospital staff. Uh, in May of 1992, 
Sato's rehabilitation program began. Doctors prescribed that he drink honeydew water, a beverage no doubt unique to own medical science. Price, $80 a cup. They also strongly advised thermotherapy, which meant submerging the already weakened Sato in a bath of 117 degrees Fahrenheit. Um. To extract the toxic elements from his body. That's too hot. It's too hot. They did that a lot. A lot of times, most of the ohm deaths are because of the thermotherapy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Yep. The price of the thermotherapy, $8,000. When Sato refused, citing the cost, the hospital staff insisted he sell his store and repeatedly phoned the family asking for money. Reluctantly, the family agreed to pay for the treatment in installments. On their next visit, they were shocked to find that their father covered with burns. Ohm's therm- thermotherapy had scalded much of his ar- upper body. His health did not improve. Meanwhile, uh, the cult exerted steady pressure on him to make donations. Like, one day, a nurse asked him, casually it seemed, if he owned any real estate. He replied yes. Uh-huh. The family owned a Tokyo apartment worth $800,000. Soon, the staff began telling Sato he would get better only if he donated the apartment to the cult. Oh. Yeah. It was all part of Ohm's teachings, they explained. To be healthy, one needed to shed bad karma. And the way to do that was by donating to the only group that had the truth. Sato's family had grown alarmed and asked that the father be, their father be discharged, but Ohm's medical staff were insistent. The treatment is starting to work, they said. What's more important to you, your father or money? Why not sell the apartment and spend it on his treatment? Sato could no longer leave the hospital, and his family was rarely let in to visit. Isolated, constantly pressured to donate, and scared of more hot water treatments, he finally offered the cult half his real estate. That wasn't good enough, he was told. If you want a complete cure, you must give it all. Soon after this exchange, a patient in an adjoining room died. For a full day, his body remained on the bed. Strangely, they let it lie there for another day. Then another. For five days, there was just this fucking body on, like, the next bed over. Oh. And then Sato thought, I'm gonna fucking die. Thank God Yelp wasn't around. Right? At the end of August 1992, he finally gave all of his property to the cult. A few weeks later, Sato was told to practice his hariko. Uh, round seals Japanese used as signatures in what doctors called yet another act of rehabilitation. They forged his signature with it, basically, right? Did a bunch of shit signing over his apartment to home. They moved his official residence to the hospital address, mm. which is just a creepy touch. Yeah. Um, they filed divorce papers for Sato and his wife. Yeah. When they fan- when the Very family- nightmarish. Yeah. When the family discovered that Ohm now owned their one piece of real estate, they saw what the fuck was going on in early March. Sato's son showed up and just grabbed with, with uh, several well-built friends, it says, and just grabbed his fucking dad. Yeah. They just broke in and grabbed him. What the fuck? The family would later sue. Uh, the cult not only denied the allegations of forced donations, confinement, and limited visits, they countersued the family for libel. As so often when Ohm was involved, somehow the Japanese authorities never got around to investigating. What the fuck? Yeah, what the fuck? What the fuck, dude? They just stole that man. They stole him. They stole a man. <laughs> Probably even, not the only one. They did, it's not even manipulation. Do you know what? Like, they just got him. Right. Fucking And then crazy. broke him down. They had nothing to do with Ohm. That was just a man whose daughter had been friend, or like met a cult leader once, or met a cult member once. That was just some fucking family. What the fuck? I don't know why that bothers me so fucking much, but holy shit. Well, because they just... They stole a guy. Yeah. Yeah. In order to steal his assets. They stole someone's father. And experiment on him. Fucking crazy. Torture this man. Yeah. God damn it. 
Yeah, now we're starting to get rolling. Dr. Hayashi could also effectively articulate highly advanced medical principles, what Ohm called its cutting-edge medical technology, in the service of absurd fantasies of Armageddon survival. So he said that the group would survive comparatively easily by taking advantage of such medical developments as external artificial circulation, new devices to exchange blood plasma, perform artificial hemodialysis, and absorb toxins with artificial columns, and artificial organs such as livers, joints, and so forth. Moreover, their uh, chances of retaining all body parts would be greater than in previous wars. Oh. Hayashi talked of advanced microsurgery for the reconnection of arms and legs, the use of animal skin or one's own previously harvested skin cells for treating burns, which would all be cool if it was fucking nonsense. Yeah, if they could actually really do any of it. Yeah. They couldn't even manipulate a guy. They had to steal him. <laughs> They're bad at shit. Yeah, you're like, if we can get these things ready... Oh, this was in a radio broadcast. He said, if we can get these things ready, I believe we can use them in the coming final war. <sighs> well, what a character, that Hayashi guy. Huh. Swallow and string. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking, like, which would I rather? Um, drinking a bunch of scalding hot water or swallowing, like, a mile of string? Oh, dude. Fuck. I don't know. I think the string. I think they both kill you. Yeah. Actually, a mile of string is probably not actually that. Unless it causes an intestinal blockage, then I mean that's what I'm thinking. But like, if it's, you can get a mile faster than you think. Like, there's a mile of guts in there. I think something like that. Some fucking crazy bullshit that I don't believe. Yeah. Well, 1993 was the uh, the bad bad year in Oma. I'm gonna say. I think this is the year where it all went off the rails. So it's going to get we haven't, fucking bad. We're, we've been on the track. Yeah. It needs to get off the rails. Early in 93, Asahara's vision of apocalypse began to get darker. And the date kept getting closer. Willow, if you would be so kind as to be Shoko. Oh, it would be my honor. <laughs> I don't even know if he's the worst one. I think he's just the crazy one. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. It takes a lot of... They're all bad. They're all fucking bad, dude. Who are these people? From now until the year 2000, a series of violent phenomena filled with fears that are too difficult to describe will occur. Japan will turn into a wasteland as a result of nuclear weapons attack. This will occur from 1996 through January 1998. An alliance centering on the United States will attack Japan. In large cities in Japan, only one-tenth of the population will survive. Nine out of ten people will die. Well, Asahara preached that the Americans were spraying home with chemical weapons out of cleverly designed prop planes and helicopters, which explained the large number of illnesses within within the cult. Oh, right. It's not the malnutrition and the lack of sleep. and Or the chemicals. And the chemicals that they're working with. It's the American spraying. Right. Coincidentally, the same chemicals. Yeah, yeah. totally. He said, uh, Ashar ordered sweeping changes to deal with the new threat of Americans with propeller planes. He said, We need a lot of weapons to prevent Armageddon. We must prepare them quickly. Yeah. So they had over a thousand Omer nunciates. The public hated them. Their neighbors really fucking hated him. And even though their myriad businesses were booming, the siege mentality within Ohm was only increasing. As I've said, I have to cut a lot, had to cut a lot of stuff, uh, or we'd be here for two goddamn months. No one wants that. Not a damn soul. So 
just believe me when I say that Ohm diversified the fuck out of their holdings. Uh, they owned a ton of businesses, which were all, you know, both fronts for recruiting efforts or ways to get ingredients and gear and shit, parts, stuff like that. They made a lot of money. Massive, they bought like massive, potentially illegally gained tracts of land. They were rich as fuck. Uh, they also had front companies that were used to import materials and cover the tracks for their weapons and chemistry projects. But the business side of things is what you can say that Ohm was actually very good at. Ohm's teachings became more and more dark and militaristic, driving home the themes of impending doom. Asahara was preaching that, just like in that sick-ass book Foundation, the only way to survive Armageddon was to create a secret order of beings armed with superior intellect, state-of-the-art technology, and knowledge of the future. Okay. <laughs> Along with his closest scientific advisors, uh, Mirai, the physicist, Hayakawa, the chief engineer, uh, Nagakawa, the physician, Endo, the biologist, and Tsuchiya, the chemist, they started the process of turning Ohm into a full-on military machine. Well, good for them. Yeah. The scientists had these long discussions about what type of superweapons they should employ, biologics or chemical weapons. Some argued for lasers, some argued for particle beams, nukes, plasma guns. Hideo Murai was, uh, was charged with overseeing the whole affair. Uh, Hayakawa was in charge of building an infrastructure that su could support a war machine. Factories, labs, the chemists and biologists were already cooking up some funny shit. Tsuchiya suggested a chemical that the Nazis had developed called sarin. It was easy to produce, extremely lethal, and fucking terrifying. Sarin is just bad. Before it kills you, it just like permanently blinds you and permanently fucking destroys your lungs and voice and shit. It's so bad. Really, really horrible. Horrible. No. Mm. Um, yeah. Asahara loved it. He thought Saren was exactly, that was the horse to bet on. But he wasn't going to put all his eggs in one basket. They'd pursue everything else too. But they were to begin building the Saren production plant right at the Mount Fuji property immediately. They also formed a new commando unit. An intelligence branch. Oh, okay. They went whole hog with it. Like, and the, these guys were, <clears throat> they started to call them ministers. Like Hideo Murai was the minister of science. Right. Yeah. Here's a uh, former O member, Hajime Masutani, speaking to uh, Haru Haruki Murakami. Sermons increasingly focused on Vajrayana Tantra, and more people seemed worked up about the idea that Vajrayana Tantra was about to take place. I Let me explain that. Yes, please do. Yeah, so this is one of those fucked up... This uh, is kind of a minefield to explain this. I'm going to do my best. I don't have any information on it pulled up or ever. And I'm fucking stupid. So, like, just don't, don't hold me to any of this. I'm an idiot. Asahara had really whack-ass interpretations of the religions that he picked and chose from, right? Okay. What are you, what are you looking at? I have some information about it. Okay, what, what does your information say? Get it right from the source. <laughs> Vajrayana Tantras, sometimes referred to as the Diamond Vehicle or Thunderbolt Vehicle, which is the translation of Vajra being either diamond or thunderbolt, and Yana yeah. meaning path or vehicle. The Vajrayana path employs a variety of techniques to transform ordinary experiences into a path of awakening. This includes deity yoga, where practitioners visualize themselves as a deity. I imagine in this case, it would probably be imagining themselves as Shoko Asahara. Probably, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which helps to embody the qualities of the deity slash guru and draw upon their archetypal power. 
Oh, guru yoga. Yeah. A devotional practice where the guru is seen as the embodiment of enlightenment. Yeah. Mantra recitation, mudras. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's a uh, subset of tantric Buddhism. Yeah. So what I was going to say is Om fucked up all the things they took shit from, right? What Om was using it for, what it meant within Om, which is just like everything else, it's different than what Jesus means within Om too, you know? All Throughout all these interviews with former Om members and shit, they refer to like the gas attacks and stuff as Vajrayana Tantra. And the people who pulled that shit off were the ones involved with the Vajrayana Tantra, Vajrayana Tantra which the regular lower grade also didn't enough oh didn't strongly enough stress the uh, grade system. You know the key difference between this and other subsets of, of tantra? tantra? Other ones focus on the attainment of enlightenment over several lifetimes like and are cool this with reincarnation. This is the diamond. This is getting it here. This is like this is the last life. Mm. You're going to do it in this lifetime. That's the key difference. It's the big to do. Yeah. So that's what Vajrayana Tantra meant within Om too. Right. It's, it's the big show. That's the yeah. key element. Yeah. It's Armageddon. It's, mm-hmm. it's fucking. It's, this it is too. it. Yeah. This is it. It's actually metal as shit. Yeah. That's actually fucking hardcore. I. No, it is. That's act. That's fucking hardcore. That's the one thing they got. Okay. Wow. So back to Hajime Masutani. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, what are they speaking about? But I don't know till I read it. Mm. I couldn't follow the doctrine that means that the means didn't matter. I didn't feel comfortable with it. Our training started to include some bizarre elements. Martial arts became a large part of our daily routine, and I could feel the atmosphere changing. I gave a lot of thought to whether I could continue being an ohm. Oh, this was the uh, chief uh, head of animation on the anime. Ah. Yeah. Not that it mattered much what one thought. Since Asahara was convinced this was the shortest path to our goals. If that's the case, there's not much else you can do. Either you stay or leave. Our training started to include being hung upside down. <laughs> Anyone breaking commandments had their legs tied up in chains and they were hung upside down. It doesn't sound like much if you just describe it, but it's torture, plain and simple. The blood drains from your legs and it feels like they're about to be torn off. By breaking commandments, I mean anything from breaking a chow of uh, breaking a vow of chastity by having relations with a girl or being suspected of being a spy or having comic books in your possession. Oh, the room where I worked at the time was directly below the Fuji Dojo. I could hear these loud screams from above, real shrieks, people yelling, kill me, put me out of my misery. The kind of barely human voice wrung out of someone in excruciating pain. Pitiful screams, as if the space there itself was warped and twisted. Master, master, help me. I'll never do it again. When I heard them, I just shuddered. Okay. Again, sounds like shit going on in some fucked up BDSM dungeon. Yeah, like maybe just... I couldn't work out what possible point it could have. But what's weird is that many of the people who were hung upside down like that are still in Ohm. They'd suffer, be taken to the edge of death, and then be kindly told, you did well. And they'd think, I was able to overcome the trials given to me. Thank you, O Guru. There were rumors, too, that spies had infiltrated Ohm, that they u- and they used lie detectors to try to root them out. They called this an initiation, too, and everyone in Ohm had to take a lie detector test. I thought it was strange, because wouldn't the Guru, who was supposed to know everything be able to tell at a glance who the spies were. So, 
It's not, it's not a good question. That's actually the thing that a lot of disillusioned a lot of people with Asahara. It was like, if you're so fucking paranoid, why can't you just tell who? Why are you suspicious about people if right. like the guru? Yeah. Now, with a whole bunch of chemists in a hospital, you know what else? You know what else some can make? Drugs. Yes. Fucking drugs. They were, they were, uh, and they actually made them like they followed the recipe correctly and everything. Well, the Yakuza allegedly referred to like ohm LSD as ohm stuff, and it was a lot cheaper than everything else. Okay. It was really dirty. <laughs> that checks out. Yeah. So they were experimenting with psychoactive chemicals by 1993 and perhaps earlier. Their favorite drug was a little devil known as uh, sodium theopental, also known as a truth serum. Yeah. At low doses, it acts as a sedative for surgeries and such. At higher doses, it can be used to induce a trance state, uh, a hypnotic state, a really impressionable hypnotic state. Um, with Theopental, Ohm created a bunch of fun new rituals and initiations. One was for uh, those unsure if they wanted to join the cult. First, they had to sign a waiver stating, I will commit myself to any treatment by Guru Asahara if I go into a coma for reasons such as an accident. Then, they were told to strip and given a diaper to wear. Okay. Then, either by injection or as a drink, they were given enough theopental to be thoroughly mind-fucked. They had to chant Buddhist mantras while ingesting the drug, then Asahara would place his hands on their head to fill them with religious energy, while the Om clergy would preach to them, definitely not taking advantage of the hypnotic state as they preached lines like, join the priesthood, or convert your spouse, and reportedly told to sign documents that transferred their worldly goods to the cult. All right. This was... For those unsure if they wanted to join. So, another rite which made use of Theopental was the Christ initiation. One woman, a young nurse, described her experience. Willow, if you please. I was told to undress and was handed an unusual robe and a diaper to wear. Master Asahara handed me a drink with a faint color and I was moved to a tiny room. I felt very sick and lost sense of time. Everything around me was spinning. I felt as if I could not remember who I was. A door happened to be open, and there was nobody watching me, so I went through it. However much I walked, I felt as if I were flying and felt very comfortable. Then I ran to a mountain. On regaining consciousness, my legs and arms were bound with rope and I was in a dark room. Gradually, a vision like hell came to me. I began to see scenes of hungry demons. I thought that the Guru's mantra teachings then must be right and true. I began to hear the Guru's mantra. Then two sets of the mantra at once. I felt I must do better in Om. Then that nurse would go on to administer the same initiation to others. Well, that's an effective initiation. Yeah. That's not all. Om had also started making other drugs. Like Asahara's personal favorite. LSD. Asahara fucking loved acid. After he got his first taste of it. Uh, and I forgot to pull the, the quote, but... This was quoted in fucking... Uh, the cult at the end of the world that after taking acid for the first time, Asahara said, I became high, perhaps the highest ever. <laughs> 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 Fucking love that shit, dude. So like from once he gets his, hand, his first taste of acid, like I'm pretty sure he's just on a lot of acid as often as one can be. Man, if you do too much acid in a row, though... It, it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to take, like, at least a week off. Right. Yeah. Either that or you just start taking shitloads of it. I don't know. By the time he's in court, dude, he is gone. 
he is yeah. not on this planet anymore. Like <laughs> he he turns into the most fucking mess of a person I've ever heard of. Another reason why he's the goat. He actually got punished the right way. <laughs> we they do kill him in the end, so this is it's a good it's a good ending. <laughs> yeah, but they also started adding acid into the Christ initiation and to what others. was in the cup before I wonder sodium theopental oh okay yeah yeah uh Asar and his inner circle would administer LSD to new recruits under the guise of religious initiation or spiritual enlightenment it wasn't just a hey we're the groovy kind of cult type deal it was uh yeah a systematic approach to break down an individual's sense of self and reality the acid trips were often combined with relentless audio loops of Asahara's voice and his sermons at deafening volume like, in terms of mind-fucking people, they knew what the hell they were doing. This is from uh, uh, Matsutani again, the animator. Later, I underwent what they called Christ initiation a number of times. This was like an experiment using human beings. Whenever Naimi gave me drugs to take, he looked at me like I was a guinea pig. Drink it, he said, his voice cold and detached. I saw Jakava. Seichiendo. And Vajira Tisa. Uh, Tomomasa Nagakawa. Come by to check out the solitary cells. My mind was messed up because of the drugs, but I recall that quite clearly. They came to see our reactions to the drugs. I realized that the people in solitary were being used in drug experiments. We weren't worth much to them alive, so they must have thought that using us in human experiments was the only way we'd build up spiritual merit. That made me ponder long and hard where fate had led me. Can I just die like this, I wondered? A guinea pig in a human experiment. If that's my fate, then the only way out is to return to the secular world. This is too inhuman. Too terrible. I was shocked, wondering where Ohm had gone wrong. Yeah, dude, they got a bunch of people in fucking solitary confinement cages that they're just keeping on fucked up cocktails of bad LSD and goddamn sodium theopental. Yeah, just to see what happens. Yeah. They had all, I mean, the, the list of drugs that they were making was all that fucking Fort Detrick shit. Right, it was a lot of the same stuff. Like, I fucking, I know what Shoko was fucking reading, you know what I mean? Like, he was just aware of all the conspiracy literature. He was aware of, like, you know, deep history, military history and shit. Yep. He definitely read about fucking MKUltra and shit, right? Like, he just cooked up all the drugs he fucking read about. Mm -hmm. The audio yeah. loops. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the pop version. He read the fucking, the pop books of it and then tried to make it, tried to just do it. With money and scientists. It's just, it's so fucking horrifying to me. Ugh. And like, also, look, why did so many people get roped up in this stuff? Because shit like acid and meditation, stressing the body even, does indeed induce visionary experiences. And yet, those experiences can be religious and they can be powerful. Like, most of all, and most importantly, they can be real, like real, real, like real religious experience. The direct download of fucking truth of every goddamn thing in, right into your head. What Asahara did, and what these fucks always do, cult leaders, pieces of shit like this, they take advantage of the fact that real religious truth can't be fucking explained. It can only be known, or like felt, and generally people in cults want are people that want a goddamn explanation. Right. Right? They're not comfortable with the universe just giving them the fucking tongue-sticking-out Kali face. Blah. Right? Yeah. and telling them to deal with it. Right. They, they're not that type of people. Plus, all these techniques just also beat the living fuck out of you uh, and beat the living fuck out of your reasoning capabilities. They have to because they're fast ways to override the natural filters 
your mind has to deal with so it can deal with like rent and groceries and all that shit. Right. Right. So Ohm would induce these, yeah, magical states and then convince you that it was the guru's power that did that. Because one, experiencing those magical states is real shit. And two, you're the type of person that needs an explanation for things. Edge by the fucking balls. Now, Dr. Hayashi also came up with a procedure. This guy's the fucking worst. <laughs> fucking Dr. Hayashi can fuck off. I hate this guy. Yeah, the doctor sucks. Doctor they all suck. He especially, he especially sucks. sucks. He hit his head real hard and then just turned into a fucking Batman villain. Yeah. Yeah. He invented a procedure called New Narco. Uh, this was employed when a member of Ohm knew something that they maybe sort of shouldn't. Like evidence of crimes and shit. Mm. Like like evident, maybe evidence of crimes that like they did. So this is supposed to like wipe their memory or something? Yeah, supposed to. Yeah, this one did. New narco is when you give someone a bunch of theopental, you put them in a semi-comatose state, and then you give them five to seven electroshocks to the dome. Then you give them more theopental and interrogate them to see if they remember what they shouldn't be remembering. Repeat as needed. Okay, so now I know what to do for you. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> we figured it out. <laughs> Thank you, Ohm. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Guru. Jesus Christ, no. Fuck off. <laughs> that joke has now run its course. Yes. <laughs> we, we, we reached the bottom. Yeah, Asara fucking loved using the new narco trick, and he just started doing it willy-nilly. Uh, Hayakawa, fixer and chief engineer, took frequent trips to Russia to keep making inroads, purchasing weapons. They really wanted two things, a nuke and a MiG-29 fighter jet. Didn't get either of those. They did get a military transport helicopter. Oh, yeah, and as I said earlier, they set up a monastery in the Caucasus Mountains of North Ossetia, Georgia. Um, yeah, perhaps the best place on Earth buy illegal weapons at the time they wanted to buy tanks planes all this ridiculous shit they also wanted to buy a fucking proton launcher to get things into orbit okay good luck with that guys <laughs> yeah good luck because that could only be launched from the fucking cosmodrome in kazakhstan like what <clears throat> the fuck are you going to do with that yeah gonna take over kazakhstan obviously yeah, eventually yeah yeah it's on the way to israel right yeah um <laughs> it's uh there's so much we could talk about in Russia, but really at the end of the day, they were trying to buy all sorts of weapons and shit that would be impossible to smuggle into Japan. And also they sucked at everything they did because so they were insane and they fucked themselves over, over before they could get it going. Yeah, sucks to suck. But using the cult's monstrous amount of funds, they purchased the Okamura Iron Works uh, in Japan and made Asahara president of the company. And uh, soon the original staff just started quitting and they were quickly replaced by Ohm cultists. I'm imagining like dudes in like yellow hard hats walking out one door and dudes in fucking Psy headgear walking in the other door. Yep. Yeah. They proceeded to turn the Okamura Ironworks uh, into a fucking AK-74 rifle factory called Clearstream Temple. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't just it, it, like that's what they made the most of was the rifles, but it was also to make parts for other, uh, let's call them business interests. Um, they wanted to produce a thousand rifles and a million bullets by 1995, like an hour and a half from Tokyo in a nation with extremely strict gun control. Just interesting why they thought they could get away with that. Why they knew they could get away with that, in fact. You know, I respect that they didn't just talk about doing it big. They they did the damn they thing. They did it. They did. They did. The, they did the damn thing. Yeah. And even though they weren't professionals. Right. You know? <laughs> they went for it. They went for it. They they didn't achieve their goal of a thousand rifles and a million bullets by 1995. 
Speaking of things they weren't good at, spraying botulism on people was one of them. But they tried it again anyway. Yeah, achieving their goals, also things they're <laughs> not... <laughs> they're kind of trying... This time, it was during the marriage ceremony of uh, Japan's crown prince, which was, as you may imagine, a huge fucking deal. Mm-hmm. Asahara even prepared a press conference after they sprayed botulism all over Tokyo during a tremendously symbolic event. He had a press conference prepared where he would blame the USA because his guru powers would have told him who did it. Right. Yeah. He thought he could just hold a press conference and do that instead of not saying anything at all. Yeah. It's That's a little suspicious if you say something. Yeah. If you say that my superpowers told me that the Americans did it. Yeah. 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 Well, he didn't have to worry about that problem. Because <laughs> when they went to go do this thing, Asahara himself even went along for the ride. And like, this time, as they're driving, fucking Asahara realizes there's a problem with the fucking, the sprayer out the top of the van. And he like tells them to stop and shit, and it, but it's a giant clusterfuck, and it ends up spraying into the fucking van. Of course. Yeah. Where Asahara was and shit. Mm-hmm. So like, mm. had they actually been fucking good at anything? They would have just had killed themselves right They would have gone got right there. Yeah. But they sucked at it. <sighs> <laughs> Not to be deterred, though. Seichi Endo had another awful weapon up his sleeve. Anthrax. Anthrax is fucked. Extremely lethal, horrible, lasts in the environment a long, long time. While Endo was cooking up his anthrax, people in town around the Ohm compound started reporting that fucking... Reporting that animals were dying. People were getting sick. Plants were dying. Leaves were turning like yellow. It's a... Old timers who had been around in World War II said that the awful smell coming from the Ohm compound was like that of like rotting, burning flesh. And uh, Asahara said it was the special perfume they used to purify the place. Oil and Chanel number no. five. And I guess the police believed him again because they didn't do shit. Chanel number five. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what that smells like. Might be bad. Might smell like rotten. Maybe it's just bad perfume. I don't know. There are no confirmed cases of human anthrax, but like in uh, 2004, like there was a study done um, that found that, oh yeah, there was a bunch of like animal anthrax all over the fucking place. Not human. They fucked it up. They didn't make the right. Fucked it up again. The right anthrax. Not surprised. <laughs> How horrible. Yeah. Well, deaths at the compound continued to ramp up. A combination of lack of sleep, malnutrition, massive amounts of drugs and electroshocks will do that to you. Whether through industrial accidents, car accidents from lack of sleep, or uh, just because they got too old and frail and all of a sudden vanished one day. Or with no discernible reason for their vanishing. Sometimes people just vanished. You know, sometimes it do be like that. <laughs> Learning from their mistakes with their first death, trying to burn the body in barrels with gasoline, Asahara tasked the ever-industrious Hideo Mirai with building a new device. It was called the microwave. Oh. It was deep in the underground floor of uh, Satyan Number no. 2, the building's- Didn't that already exist? What? Microwave? Not the microwave. Oh, okay. Yeah. They called their, like, science building Satyans. I forget That's what that cool. means. It means. It means truth in Sanskrit. So, like, Satyan number two was one facility. Um, Satyan number seven was the big one. Yeah. But so deep in the basement of Satyan number two was this fucking 
monstrous uh, microwave vault. It was like 10 times, it was like 10 fucking uh, industrial microwaves for like science shit, like wired together or something. It was stupid. It was to dispose of bodies. So they put bodies in there and just turn it on and it would just, <sighs> I don't know what it would do. It would do some anime bullshit to the bodies because afterwards they'd just have to scrape shit off the walls. It's just. <sighs> this is sick. Woo. We're almost two thirds done. <laughs> yeah this is real fucked up yeah yeah I did I, I fucking warned you I did fucking warn everybody so I, I don't care it's fine <laughs> I had to write it okay here's a little vignette so Kochira Kotaro Ochida was a pharmacist who joined OM in 1990 he worked at Dr. Hayashi's fun and games hospital uh, while working at the hospital Ochida became extremely disillusioned with the cult seeing what was happening to the patients Thank fuck. Especially after meeting an elderly woman with Parkinson's who is definitely getting killed by the cult. Yeah, just yeah. dying actively. Yeah. Angry, he uh, snuck away, like literally snuck out um, and made contact with the woman's son, Hidetaki Yasuda, Yasuda, who had been a member of OM but had left a few years earlier. Both men were now guilty of the crime of betraying the guru's love by sneaking out of the cult, the highest crime in OM. Yasuda wanted to stay as far the fuck away from Ohm as possible. Uh, he did not want to go back, but after Ochida, because like Ochida contacts him, Yasuda's like terrified because it's a dude from the cult. What the fuck? Oh no, they found me, right? Tells him about his fucking mom. Then guy's like, okay, even if, if there's a chance this is happening to my mom, I have to fucking believe this dude. Ochida and Yasuda decide to stage a rescue mission for Yasuda's mother. She had been moved to the Mount Fuji uh, HQ, so I'm at 3 a.m. on January 30th, 1994, while Yasuda's father and younger brother waited in a Toyota Crown as the getaway car, Yasuda and Ochida changed into black burglar clothes in a public toilet and armed themselves with commando just-in-case knives and mace and went to go burgle Yasuda's mother out of the compound. The men snuck past the guardhouse and into the honeycomb dormitory where Yasuda's mother was being kept on the third floor. They found her with electrodes stuck to her head and two tubes running out of her nose. They quietly unhooked her from whatever the fuck machines were attached to her and lifted her up to carry her away. Then they were spotted by a cult member. The cultist called for security while Ochida sprayed him with mace, but it was too late. Soon Ochida and Yasuda were surrounded by five enforcers who easily overpowered the two men. Ochida was spraying mace wildly, and Yasuda was yelling, Give me my mother back. The men were beaten and handcuffed. They were led to a meditation room. The guru was there. He sat in a chair next to his wife, Tomoko. Yasuda crouched before them. Behind them stood a group of cult leaders, uh, Hideo Murai, Tomitsu Nimi. Ochida also lay handcuffed on the floor, his face drained of color. Asahara's voice was slow and emotionless. You will no doubt sink to, sink to hell, he said to Yasuda. Now you have two choices. One, you kill Ochida. Two, if you can't kill Ochida, you will be killed on the spot. Chilled by the guru's tone, Yasuda couldn't find his voice. Decide, shouted Asahara. Don't you know that Ochida forced your mother to have sex? That he made her drink his semen and told her it was part of an initiation? No, replied Yasuda. So you think it's good that Ochida had sex with your mother? Asked Asahara. No, I don't, said Yasuda. Then he broke down. I want to go home now, he sobbed. Guru said he could after he killed Ochida. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, then I'll actually be free to go, asked Yasuda cautiously. The guru smiled and said, have I ever told you a lie? I will spare the grisly details. But basically, Yasuda was forced to torture Ochida with mace 
and then strangle him with a rope. Yasuda was let go for a little bit, but he knew too much, and Yasuda knew he knew too much. He fled his home near Tokyo uh, for a far northern prefecture, but the cult tracked him down and went to go ice him too. Mirai, Nimi, and Dr. Hayashi, who prepared an injection. Jesus. Um, yeah, it was, it was the three of them. So you see how it's actually just the inner circle that's doing the actual dirty work, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Well, Mirai and Nimi blocked the gas lines out of Yasuda's house, filling it with fumes. Yasuda had known they'd come for him, so he was like vigilant enough to know when it was happening and managed to call the police, who this time actually did arrive in time to drive them off. Holy fuck. The police did something. Like, yeah. the, the literal bare minimum. Yeah. That, what the fuck, dude? Also in 1993, Ohm expanded to another island-ish nation. And they bought a tract of land down under. Nice little palate cleanser from the men at work, you know? Yeah, we needed that after, <laughs> after that. <laughs> oh, oh. I did say it's the worst shit I've ever heard in my life. It's bad. Yeah. It's the worst. Yeah. It's, it's like top tier worst behaviors that a cult can perpetrate. Yeah, it's like they like murder. It's it's all brainwashing, extreme mass terror. There's nothing that's like the most extreme version of that particular thing I've I've ever heard about. But it's all of it together, in like the the totalist fucking complete reality control too. Like this was hell on earth. You know what I mean? Like in a yeah. really hell on earth. Oh, anyway, the only like I love. Any episode that mentions Australia is just another excuse to play Land Down Under. And I love that. Fucking love that song. It's a good song. It's just a good song. <laughs> they bought a uh, 500,000 square acre uh, acre property near Banjuan Station in Western Australia. It's the size of Rhode Island. <laughs> it cost them about uh, $400,000 uh, Australian. They bought a Rhode Island in Australia. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's big. Yeah. There's I mean, t- it's tiny big, but it's big. It's fucking big, dude. Um, I mean, Australia is empty as shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, their stated intent was agricultural experiments. In reality, they were using it as a testing ground for weapons and most likely picked out the location hoping to mine uranium. Remember, they wanted a nuclear bomb more than anything else. And if they couldn't buy it, maybe they just build it. Colts be like that. Colts do be like that. Witnesses, when they first moved in, like, they, like, hosted a dinner for their neighbors and shit. They had, like, a potluck. They tried to, like, make friends and shit. <laughs> and everyone was very immediately, all these ranchers in Western Australia. They didn't make a lot of friends. They came off as very odd. Hmm. Yeah. Um, 
And also witnesses in the area reported a series of odd occurrences around Banjuwarn Station, from nocturnal activities to like, just loud fucking noises at night, you know, machines and shit, to inexplicable explosions. Now, there, so there's a fucking story uh, about a nuke being set off at Banjuwarn Station. They point to this like uh, recorded seismic event that people said was like, oh yeah, that was an ohm explosion from the camp, but like they didn't set off a nuke. I mean, there's no real actual evidence. It's a nice rumor though. Off. It's a hell of a rumor, but like the thing is more than anything else, they weren't good at anything. Right. You know, like they really didn't have a good track record. Their experiments did not typically yeah, like, go I as expected. They weren't building a fucking nuke, you know? Um, don't know what else they were doing though. Who knows? After the big to-do, like when authorities raided the property, they found just like a hodgepodge of gear that didn't make any sense because they were crazy. Yeah. Mining equipment, chemical containers, generators, makeshift lab setups that were scattered across the property. They didn't have any evidence of making weapons. Soil tests definitely indicated the presence of unusual chemical residues showing that something was going down. Well... I mean, we like they were testing like sarin and shit. This was where they were testing like chemical weapons. Um, one of the ways they tested this was they brought twenty nine merino sheep onto the property, initially under the guise of agricultural research. But a fucking a rancher nearby said that one night he heard some commotion, went spying on the colt. Uh oh. What he saw was like I don't I don't know if I like where this is going. It was cult shit with the sheep. It was a circle of fucking people in robes. With, like, lights, standing around a bunch of sheep, chanting some weird bullshit this rancher man doesn't understand. Then the sheep all start fucking dying while they're all singing and shit. Okay. Yeah, like, he saw the cult thing. All that, like, satanic panic shit. That's the one dude in the world who actually saw what he fucking saw. Bunch of people in robes doing weird shit with the animals in a field. Yeah, dude, that man must have been so scared. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot more that went on in Australia, but, like, we're, we're cutting most of it, and I just talked about it so I could play Land Down Under. Whatever. <laughs> I, I, need my, I need my little treats. Like, <laughs> Gotta get them where you can. A little Yacht Rock treats. All right. Hideo Mirai, Minister of Science and Technology. This fucker. He was young, obsessed with Nikola Tesla. You know, the guy who fucked a pigeon. Mm-hmm. That's what I heard, at least. Like I said in the previous episode, Mirai and Asahara kind of created a feedback loop of madness with one another. Mirai was legitimately trying to like build plasma weapons out of converted microwave cleaners, like the microwave, as well as laser weapons. He, this dude was trying to build sci-fi weapons. That's what he wanted to do. Like They wanted a goddamn orbital laser cannon. That's what the fucking pro... The, the, that's why they were trying to buy Russian satellites and fucking the proton launcher. They wanted an orbital laser cannon. Well, they're... They were, that, yeah. Yeah, they were trying to make a fucking railgun, a Tesla earthquake machine, all this stupid sci-fi nonsense. They have ambition, if nothing else. Oh, fucking... Science! Yeah, when I say trying, they were, like, actively attempting to develop all these fucking future weapons. The plasma stuff in particular was, like, Mirai's dream gadget. And they had the damn giant microwaves that could be refitted to, like, send the microwaves down a tube and at someone you didn't like. They had lasers. They had all sorts of shit. Now, in this universe, none of those came to fruition. 
But what did come to fruition was Sachian 7, a.k.a. The Wizard, is what it was called. The Wizard. The Wizard. <laughs> this was the lab. Sachian 7 was the Saren lab. This was Om Shinrikyo's most clandestine, and uh, this was like, th this is the villain secret lair. You know what I mean? In the 80s action movie that this is. Hidden away was this fucking high-tech looking lab to manufacture sarin gas as well as VX nerve agent, which they would soon begin uh, using in assassinations, both attempted and successful. So like this is, you know, a full clean room fucking complete with hazmat suits, specialized ventilation systems, controlled access points. Uh, upon entrance to Sachin 7, you were greeted with a giant statue of Buddha on one side and a giant statue of Shiva on the other. And then you had to like go through some doors to get to the actual sarin and other chemical making facilities. It was so topsy, like, it was on a need-to-know basis. Not everyone knew about the wizard. Uh, the idea was to produce enough sarin to execute a mass casualty attack, extending far beyond the cult's earlier smaller-scale attempts at chemical warfare. Gassing the Japanese parliament, small-scale. No. What if we just, like, kill Tokyo? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go big or go home. Just go big or go home with our homemade... Saren, but dude, of all the own projects, the wizard did what the wizard was made to do. Produced a whole bunch of fucking sarin gas. Yeah. And that is where we will conclude this exhausting story. Man, yeah. ten of wands. Oppression. Yeah, downtrodden. Saturn Exhausted. and Sagittarius. It's a it's the bars around you know, the spirit of freedom, uh, of, of philosophical freedom, even within, you know, the Sagittarian archetype. Uh, the mind is not free to roam. Right. It's hell on earth. Yeah. I mean, hell on earth is preparing for an apocalypse that's n really not coming, which is what so many cults do. And so many people lose their lives because of. Well, I mean, and that's where Ohm. The, the ohm thing is that they said, fuck it, we'll do it. Right. We'll fucking do it live. Just the darkness within ohm is oppressive. I, it's hard for me to articulate in a way that seems like I'm, or at least to me, like, I, I can't articulate why I feel so wretched reading about this shit. Like, I, I feel like it's, it, it affects me more than... It's the gestalt of the fucking thing. It's the whole picture, you know? It's ugly. It's, it's really everything ugly. wrapped up into one ugly package that just shows how this shit can go wrong. The one fucking long-haired yoga teacher, yeah. and I fucking hate them too. Yeah. <laughs> Who is now also like a fat man. Yeah. He, is, he has uh, become the giant mob boss at this time. Uh, he's not levitating anymore, that's for sure. I don't understand how it's insane how no one just that dude couldn't fucking defend himself. How like how the fuck did this happen? <laughs> it's because everyone in the inner circle were fucking evil pieces of shit too and wanted to burn the world. They all hit their heads. More or less. I mean, at this point, they're all fucking shocked to the dome and like, brains are leaking out of their ears. That's true. Like they're all certifiable. They're all getting constant point. head injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Like, getting zapped will actually drive you fucking insane. Too. It's true. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, goddamn. Um, Ten of Wands in the Thos deck looks like bars across a prison cell. 
in a lot of ways. And that's what right. it is. And in the Rider Waite Smith deck, it's the guy the, who's like walking away. He's hunched over and he's carrying a, like 10. He's wand. overloaded. He's overloaded. Yeah, yeah. He's carrying too much. He's on yeah. his way out. He's on his way somewhere. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> it's darker than I thought it was, actually, this one. I can smell the chemicals. You know, like it's... You know what? We're not going to... There's there's a lot of the... I don't want to speak too soon, but there's a lot of disturbing shit that was in here that's not going to be in the next one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to... No need to keep... That's good. Like, there's no need to keep Palatine. talking about fucking, like, why it was shitty to be a kid there. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I, I've i made that point, I think. If there's more poop eating, I'm... Nope. Okay. Unfortunately. That was it. Yeah. All right. They do steal a Russian orchestra, though. Well, shit. <laughs> Is that like, just like they stole that guy? Just like they stole someone's dad, they stole Moscow's orchestra? Not even kidding. Again. Just <laughs> good for them. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> well, uh, folks. Yeah. If you like what we do... Please tell a friend, uh, give us a rating and review. It really helps us get the show in front of other people. We fucking appreciate you. One day we'll do Patreon shoutouts, I swear. Yep. One day. And we'll do them all at once, too. That's our promise. Mm-hmm. But thank you guys so much for supporting the show. And if you want to get access to our bonus series, The Corkboard Bazaar, uh, which you should. And next, I think the next one of those, I'm going to be going more into the conspiracy theory side of Om Shinrikyo. The dumb stuff, which will be fun. You get access to that in our Discord server at patreon.com slash nonsensebazaar for only $5 a month. And it keeps us ad free and it makes us happy because it uh, means we don't have to cook up bad LSD in the basement. Not that I would even begin to. Do you know how fucking dangerous it is to make LSD? Yeah, better off just growing shrooms. Honestly, like it's a, it's a hard and legitimately dangerous chemical to make. Mm. Go big or go home. Sorry, I'm fried, guys. Thank you so much for listening to us. We really appreciate it. And uh, take care of yourselves. Yes, take care. Be well. Peace out. Peace.